Say hello to the bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. All right, welcome to Say Hello to the Bad Guy. I'm your host, Locke, and this is the podcast where we drink, smoke, and bullshit about the life of a historic criminal. Now we're talking outlaws and gangsters. We're not going to cover too many serial killers. That's just a little bit dark for me, and this ain't no true crime podcast. Honestly, you can't call this a history podcast because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host. So first with us today, we got Lorraine McClain. What up? And also with us today, we got Tank. All right. <laughs> and then rocking four mics today, we got Bugs. What's up? All right. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thanks, man. Our people. I'm sorry. Right on. Yeah, thanks for having us, guy. Welcome to the podcast, non-gender specific <laughs> units. <laughs> Today on the podcast, we got to give a shout out to a brewery. Tank stopped by. You wanna, uh, you wanna hit us with the details on that? Oh, all right, yeah. We hit up a small brewery in uh, northern Michigan, south of Alpena. For anybody who likes to head up to the northern side of uh, Michigan, nice little brew house. They got a nice food menu there too. But anyways, Sandy at the Alcona Brew House uh, hooked us up. So what we got today is their London Brown Ale. Uh, that's the first one we got. We also have a stout. I'll probably crack that later on. Delicious beer, if you're familiar with Newcastle. Um, that's a brown ale. I'm not comparing this to Newcastle because this has a little something extra to it. My palate's not fine enough to distinct that flavor for the listeners. But anyways, this has got a little extra than your normal brown ale does. And uh, anyways, thank you very much. I'm assuming her name is Sandy because if you head to their Facebook page, it says Sandy at Alcona Brew House for the email. So anyways, snowmobilers, cross-country skiers, uh, ice fishers. If Anybody you have to be just passing by. Yeah, if you have to be, uh, if you happen to be up there, it's a weekend spot. It's a, a small local-owned spot. They've got scratch-made food. She said fresh ground burgers. She and, didn't send uh, any burgers. <laughs> yeah, so we were staying. Yeah. Next time, Sandy. So, they did. Yeah, right. ate them all. No. <laughs> <laughs> we actually ate like you know some stuff that we packed on the way. And I always told my wife because we we were up there for recreation and whatnot. And I always told my wife when we when we swung by, we would stop by there and grab some of their beer because it's a small place. So I knew if they were a brew house and they brewed their own beer that they'd have some unique stuff because, you know, when you're that small, uh, like Locke said earlier, you're probably not doing it for the cash to get rich. You're doing it because you love beer and good food. Right. So uh, actually, this is, it hits, man. It's it's good brew and uh, definitely swing in there again. Now you said it's it's called London Brown, right? That's right, London Brown. I like the aftertaste. Like it doesn't linger. Like, <laughs> that's it's sorry. Real good. Yeah, that's actually what I told her. Like the the first drink, it's smooth. It's a good quality beer. And then I told her at the end, it gave me like a little kick at the end. And like you said, the aftertaste yeah. is spot on. It makes me want more. Yeah, it goes down smooth too. That's definitely. That's one of my favorite things about brown ales. That was one of my favorite, I guess, craft beers you could say was Newcastle. I think Newcastle's been around for like a long ass time, if I'm not mistaken. But anyways, that was one of my favorite things about Newcastle was it was a, a different um, beer that you could get from the beer store. It was kind of crafty, but they're only like a buck or two above a domestic. But anyways, um, her price was very competitive on this and definitely accessible at the Newcastle price for anybody who wants to try it out. How do you spell the name of that brewery? 
A-L-C-O-N-A. Alcona Brew House. Alcona. Yep. Just south of Alpena in beautiful northern Michigan. Well, thank you, Sandy, at Alcona. Thank you, this Tank. This shit is delicious. Yeah, thank you, Tank, obviously. Right on. Now, before we get started, like always, we got to make sure we thank Sixfo Sueno for letting us use his music in the intro. You can follow him on Instagram and also follow Cancer, whose song we use in the mid-roll. Follow us at Bad Guy Podcast on both Instagram and on TikTok and uh, Twitter. And Twitter, the Bad Guy Pod <laughs> on Twitter. Cool little story. Uh, Six Four Swaino, he just like updated his Apple Music too. So like I listened to all of his music, all of his stuff on YouTube that would come out, and I'd constantly check because I re- there's this one song I was really looking for, and it was never on Apple Music. And then one time I was driving home from work before uh, I was about to go work out. And just decided to go check randomly again. Boom! All his new songs that were on YouTube are now on Apple Music too. Nice. So oh, yeah. Apple Music's up to date on Swaino. So today we're gonna cover. Do you know where our biggest state, the state where we get the most listeners outside of Michigan, is? Oh, I don't want to say it now because I think I know it. A couple I, of days ago. I know it too, so I was excited. <laughs> but cool, I don't know it. All right. Take a guess, Lorraine. Florida. Oh, not, not a bad guess. Yeah, though. well, we get a lot of listens from Florida. Our biggest listenership outside of Michigan is in California. Oh, Oh, really? I was wrong. I was damn ass wrong. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what, did they, what did you that think? That was a great, uh, I, thought it was, I thought it was Midwest. Illinois, Illinois is, is our St. third. Louis. Okay. So, California. And it has a rich history of gang and all different versions. Now, we did cover someone from there. We covered the Tiny Rascal Gang, but that's kind of a mini episode. Still a good one, though. It's like a little fun size, a fun size episode, (laughs) but kind of wanted to hook up. We got a huge listener base out there and we appreciate our fans. I'm not above kissing ass for listeners. So California. Yeah, they brought us here to this point, right? That's why you're you're still pushing. So today I figured we'd move it over to California and the bad guy we're covering is Johnny Stampinato. This ain't negotiation time. This is Scarface, final scene, fucking bazookas under each arm. Say hello to my little friend. Stampinato. A.K.A. Plenty of A.K.A.s. So, we got John Stampinato Jr., A.K.A. Johnny, A.K.A. Jack, A.K.A. Handsome Harry. (laughs) Right on. A.K.A. Johnny Stomp, A.K.A. Johnny Steele, A.K.A. Oscar. A.K.A. Johnny stealing all the A.K.A.s. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot. I was excited to see uh, Johnny Stomp up there because like, you said Johnny Stompinato. And I was trying to hurry up and think of like something clever like stomping on your face. <laughs> like something stuupid, but I couldn't. But Johnny Stomp, I think there's going to be interesting stories with that. If you want to become – if you want to move into the criminal underworld – you can't go into it with a much better setup for a nickname than Johnny Stomp. <laughs> right on. I mean, sure stomps a lot. And you know, you know me. I love the nicknames that somebody gives you. You know, I'm not a big fan of self-made uh, nicknames. I guess you could say. So Johnny Stomp. I mean, you know, it's like it's built into his name. But you know, it's like somebody else probably started calling him Stomp. I like the first one. You can Johnny. <laughs> yeah. Right I on. guess I didn't have to put that in there. I was just excited. <laughs> So all of the nicknames have some kind of a reasoning. Jack is the only one where doing the research, at some point there's just this handful of people that randomly refer to him as Jack. All right. No real rhyme or reason. Hit the road, Jack. <laughs> but I, I think it's just because at some point, look, you're a criminal, you got 15 nicknames. At some point you just start going by a little bit of everything. 
Yeah, you were talking about rap earlier. It's like, you know, I can remember a couple rap songs where guys just sitting there, like, reciting his uh, AKAs and shit. Like, AKA Joey Crack. AKA, you know, and it's like, there's him, you know, he's like, like I could just picture some dude sitting there, like, AKA Johnny. AKA Jack. Like, uh, I want to see, I want to see Michael one. Buffer announce him. Yeah. Johnny, Harry, handsome, handsome, Harry, stomping like Oscar. Oscar's the best one. Ooh, we'll get there. That's his fighting name. So Johnny Stomp was born October 10th, 1925 in Woodstock, Illinois. He was the youngest of four to Italian immigrants. Okay, so we're in Prohibition still, right? Yeah, he was born midway in Prohibition. Yep. And he's in, in Illinois, so we, you know, we know some like Illinois, they were trying to stab westward after Prohibition. So I'm, I'm intrigued how Johnny made it out west. Second high uh, listener rate there in Illinois. <laughs> His mother died of peritonitis six days after his birth. Aw, that's sad. His father was a barber who eventually remarried. And his stepmom seemed to be cool. She was a nice lady. Like, she'd be around most of his life. Stepped into the role. Yeah. I wonder, did she have kids before? No. Okay. So she just got to raise this baby as her own. Well, they didn't get married until... Oh, he was... Yeah, he got married a couple years later, which I always appreciate, too. So when I'm looking for creepy guys in this story, like if the wife dies six days after giving birth and he's married in four months, (laughs) you know what I mean? I don't like that story, but he met her kind of years later. Now, he was still young, but it was kind of a little bit down the line. Yeah. Well, those times, too, I mean, depending on where you lived, you know, you could get real lonely. So, I mean, a couple years, you know, you can't blame Pops. So in school, teachers would get frustrated with him because it seemed like he was smart, but he was very lazy. The only things he ever focused on was causing trouble and chasing girls. So one of the reasons why I was probably not liked by my teachers when I was younger, <laughs> causing trouble. And for me, the other reason? Stop. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't good enough at it, bro. No, See, put two of you together, we got one Johnny Stall. <laughs> After his freshman year of school, and he's just kind of dicking around school and chasing girls, they send him to Kemper Military School in Boonville, Missouri, which is... It's a real big shot uh, military school. I didn't put all the names, but there's like five uh, congressmen that have gone there and multiple military officers and athletes and stuff like that. It had about 20 notables. Nobody I knew, but they all had a Wikipedia. So it's something. Right on. He did seem to have a tendency. There was a report that it seemed like he was messing around with one of the nurses there. And anytime they were going to do long runs or workouts, the nurse would report them to the infirmary. So he'd, right. go, he'd go miss all the long runs. So when the military school was like, you know what, you guys are on punishment. You get in a 10-mile run. He'd get a heads up in advance, and the nurse would be like, oh, you know what, we actually need Johnny Stomp in the infirmary. <laughs> we need handsome Harry. She calls in sick one day, and he's fucking hanging out like a half mile behind everybody else and shit. She didn't get me off this time. He's back there just fucking gassed, you know what I mean? He's throwing up and shit from all the running. Right? Like, fuck, this is what you guys usually do? You just try banging the nurse. It's way easier. That's why they called him Johnny Stomp. They call it smashing nowadays. They must have called it stomping. Yeah, stomping sounds way meaner than smashing. I don't know. It's about the same. Neither of them are very pleasant. Like uh, that one movie where she's like, Jackhammer me, Jackhammer me. She's like, Johnny, stomp me. I don't know why I gave her a New, a New Jersey accent right there. You know, the best part of that where she go, Jackhammer me, is what he says, I think I am. Yeah. 
<laughs> if your wife tells you to cocker, you cocker, goddammit. So he graduates at 17, and in 1943, he joined the Marines. He served in the historic 1st Marine Division, which is the oldest and largest active duty division. He served in World War II in the South Pacific Theater in the battles of Okinawa and the Battle of Peleliu. I think I said that right. I watched a YouTube video just to learn how to say the name and then got busy and was doing a lot and then forgot how to say it. So a lot of times when we talk about World War II, a lot of times we get really caught up in the European theater, D-Day in France and the paratroopers and stuff like that. But we forget a lot of time in the uh, the South Pacific, the Marines. That was some tough war in island to island trying to dig out these Japanese and the Japanese some of those guys were in there dug in past when the war was over. Like, they just went their kamikaze style. Like, no, I'm here on this island. I'm going to be here fighting this war until the last man. So the South, South Pacific Theater in World War II was some nasty fucking fighting. Yeah, man. Scary warfare. I mean, don't get me wrong. No warfare is unscary. But now we're moving into these creepy drones and shit like that where machines are killing people and stuff. But yeah, back then, dude, they were just throwing lives at that kind of shit. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Johnny finished his service in China where he met a Turkish dressmaker named Sarah Utish, who is five years older than him. He ended up having to convert to Islam in order to marry her in 1946. Say what? Okay. Yeah. This girl's something special then. Yeah. The same year they moved to Woodstock, Illinois, where he drove a bread truck and worked in an auto parts factory. So he hated that life. He was real bored working regular jobs. I can't imagine it any any other way. You're used to excitement. I mean, I'm, I don't know excitement, but you're used to the, uh, I guess, craziness of the battlefield. And then you get to go drive a bread truck and work at an auto parts plant. Make minimum wage. Do the same shit every single day. Me being part of the bread industry, I can say it's not that great. <laughs> <laughs> That's some insider information damn right there. Not every podcast has a bread insider that can I'm hit it with that kind of knowledge. Yeah, technically, I'm a I'm an auto part insider, I guess you could say. So, so. once again, it's wild man. Yeah, two of us, Johnny. Stop. Another Johnny Stop. <laughs> so he he hates this work in life. Sarah gives birth to their son John the Third in September 1947. Not long after that, he left his wife and kid and moved to Hollywood, California, what? with a couple of his Marine buddies. Wow. What? With his boys? Yeah. Fuck them kids. <laughs> <laughs> So it had been something he talked about doing before, and he'd served with some Marines that lived in L.A., LA, and one day, after he had a kid, he just said, yeah, fuck it, I'm done. Bounced out. It's still not a good move, but, like, maybe before the kid, it would have been like, yeah, it happens. Like, you you started a family, then bounced? Yeah. Like, what's wrong? Dirtball. Shit happens. You you named him John the Third. (laughs) I just said, and then left him. I just said shit happens. Like I'm not like a fucking like family man and shit. Like shit happens. (laughs) Sometimes you just move fucking halfway across the country for no goddamn reason after you start a family. Sometimes dad leaves. (laughs) No need to be pussies about it. Going out for cigarettes. That's a terrible joke. Sorry guys. Well. I mean, it happens. Me Apparently, Marine, we are talking about Me and my Marine boys are just going for a couple of days. So he gets out to L.A. In Los Angeles, he gets a job as a bouncer. Uh, soon he makes some connections, and he begins working as an enforcer and collector for Los Angeles crime boss Mickey Cohen. That was probably a happening time out in Cali, mid-50s. 
post-war, right before the flower power, hippie child stuff in the 60s and, you know, the greasers, the the mid-50s rides. That had to have been a hell of a time out in Cali. No, it was definitely hip L.A. at the time. The Hollywood was just blowing up and Bugsy Siegel, when he first gets out there, that was when Bugsy Siegel was still out there and rubbing elbows with the Hollywood types and Las Vegas is just starting to boom. He did pretty well. He seemed pretty quick. He just went there. He was like, yeah, I'm be a forcer at this club. And next thing you know, he's running with the boss, right? Yeah, I mean, made it to the mob quick. I think one of the things that helped him is there wasn't a ton of competent mobsters out west yet. They were still kind of shipping guys out there. You know, so anybody that had some potential talent, they were hot for recruits. And he's this, he's a charming combat vet. So he's probably real good looking. Yeah, he was a good-looking dude, and he was charming. So he was real suave. He was, like, dark-skinned Italian, as we would call on this podcast, swarthy. One thing Sarah said when she first met him, he would come to her shop every day and write her poems, and he just was, like, would legitimately woo her, and she falls in love with this guy, and they get married. And she didn't even know until they went to leave to come back. She was like, dude, you're, like, 20. You're five years younger than me. He's like, oh, that's cool. She didn't even know. He's like, the kind that'll leave you after you have a kid. He's exactly like that kind. Oh. She wanted him to stick around and make fucking auto parts and deliver bread, and he didn't want to. <laughs> he's like, you want to move out west? And she was like, oh, I don't know, man. That does sounds like a risky move. And he's like, look, it's calling me. We've been talking about it. Me and my buddies from the Marines, I'm heading out there. <laughs> to make him seem a little bit dirtier, in order to support herself, she had to find a job working as a seamstress at night. or So she would sew in a factory at night, and she would sing her son to sleep. Oh. And then leave him with a babysitter and then leave to go work in the factory for the night. He's out in L.A. running with the fucking Mickey Cohen gang and shit. <sighs> oh, that's, that's dirty. The Saints say hello to the clean guy. <laughs> so he was known to keep a stable at 10 to 15 older married women he'd be sleeping with at a time. Oh, damn. Oh, all older? Yeah. So what he would do was he'd initially woo them with flowers and romantic notes and... Hit him up all the time, like every day, and he'd just really woo these women. Once the relationships would get sexual, he'd ask them for a small amount of money, like 100 to 200 bucks. Mm-hmm. Say, I need, to borrow, I need to borrow a couple bucks, please. If they refused, he would stop talking to them. Okay. If they paid, he'd come back to them within a couple weeks and say, look, I need anywhere. He'd pick another, like between like five to $10,000. If they refused, he would threaten to expose them to their husbands. Oh. What the heck? This guy's nasty. Well, they, I mean, yeah, that's some shit, but Jeez. I guess um, it's still happening to this day. I, I read an article about it a couple months back, um, unfortunately. I mean, it happens both sides, but, it, you know, it's kind of like that uh, FBI scam, you know, like somebody calls up the elderly and fucking preys on them, tells them that their taxes aren't paid right yeah. or something, and then they end up sending them money and shit, but... This is still happening to this day, unfortunately. Like People get preyed on when they're in romantic relationships. One lady named Doris Jean Cornell loaned him $8,150 to start his own business, which was called the Myrtlewood Gift Shop, which sold shitty pottery and woodwork as fine art. <laughs> all right. No. So just Can have all these... by him? What's that? He crafted them? No, he'd just buy cheap, shitty stuff and set it up on like fancy stands and stuff and be like, hey, you want some, some fancy woodwork? You said he was doing this with, like, 10 to 15 women at a time? Yeah, so it would be, like, a rotating 10 to 15 women. So he had the actual report on it. 
he had a really organized black book where he had slots and he could just rotate these slots with different women. So you have to with that many, right? Yeah. Well, and then as they like fall off, the black and... book. I mean, <laughs> like I got experience with that yeah. shit. I mean, yeah. When you're juggling 10, 15 girls at a time, you, you definitely need some, a black book. Yeah, you got to have some kind of ledger or something. But then as they'd fall off, that would add them up free time to pick up some new ones. So yep. he just. It was 10 to 15, but not like only 10 to 15, like 10 to 15 at a time. So it was his go-to scam. He would just rotate through them. I'm always looking for leads. That's something different. We never really heard anything like that, but like hustling married women. Yeah. Well, and one married woman, he got to, he basically pimped her out. She didn't have money to give him. So she started sleeping with other dudes to get money to give to him. God damn. Wow. But he never worked as like a pimp or he didn't work in prostitution ever outside of that except just this one girl that was like look i don't have no money i'd like to give it to you but i'll bang some dudes for it or whatever <laughs> some wild love letters and wooing man <laughs> right. some hell of some wooing there you should have been called like johnny wooing or like johnny <laughs> woozia or something i don't know man damn that's our new official nickname for him johnny woo <laughs> johnny woo <laughs> As dirty as this guy is, man, he must have some game for real. Oh, you know he's got game, bro. Like ten fit. I mean, that's. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, you could say that's low hanging fruit going after like unhappily married women or whatnot. <laughs> but either way, man, ten or fifteen at a time, and just like he said, you know, unfortunately that that woman decided to sleep with other dudes to give him money. <laughs> she could have just said no, fuck you and shit. Like I'll take my L with my husband and stuff. But she decided to go a whole different route. I mean, maybe her husband was mob-connected, too. Who knows? All right, so we're going to take a real quick smoke break, refill our drinks, and we'll be back in a minute. Monitor the area carrying curved swords, slithering the 
Support for Say Hello to the Bad Guy podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. So join over 4 million worldwide who trust Manscaped. With the exclusive offer for you, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code BADGUY. Now, it's actually 4 million and 4, if you yeah. count us. Um, or 8 million and 8, if you're counting balls. <laughs> You got to think of some of those people that only have one, though. <laughs> what about people with extras? Evens each other out. Compensate. Hey. So, sometimes, Total you leave that, balls. sometimes you leave that middle nut alone. You got a little mohawk. It's cool. So, yeah, we got the performance package 4.0. So that comes with crop preserver. You get the crop reviver. Comes with a bag. The nose clipper. The underwear anti-chafing boxers. So it's a great kit. But even if... You know, maybe you don't need all that. They just have smaller stuff. They got lip balm. They got shampoo. They got body wash. They have traditional shavers. Like if you just wanted a, you know, a single razor shaver. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code badguy at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code badguy. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, we're back. So he's got a pretty good little gigolo racket going. Yeah. So Mickey Cohen's like, wow, this guy's this guy's a fucking earner, man. I like this kid. He's got his own business. You know, he sells he sells art down on the strip. <laughs> <laughs> like this kid. He's got some moxie. Every time we go to that art shop, the that the dude who owns it's always with a different female. It's wild. I gotta buy some of his art. So Mickey Cohen was a celebrity gangster that would associate and socialize with a Hollywood elite. So he originally got his start as Bugsy Siegel's right-hand man, who was that kind of guy. He was flashy. He was Hollywood. So Mickey Cohen learned from him, and he's the same way. And it's the L.A. mob, so you can't help it. That's You know, you just end up rubbing shoulders with these Hollywood types all the time. And that was Mickey Cohen's thing. He was just a Hollywood gangster. He realized early on that Johnny Stomp had a way with the ladies in 1948. 
when Frank Sinatra came to Mickey Cohen and asked him to keep Johnny away from an actress named Ava Gardner, who they were both pursuing. Damn, man. Old Frank comes through and says, keep your keep your dude away from my lady. <laughs> I think your question's answered, Bugs. Game level, what, bazillion? Well, yeah. I yeah. mean, how can you out-game Frank, man? Well, Frank Sinatra like, knows your name. Damn it, man. That's dirty-ass shit. Now I'm like, oh, I want to like this dude so bad. <laughs> You're trying to pull Frank Sinatra's lady in the fucking 40s? God <laughs> damn. Some wool, some juice. <laughs> No. Johnny Juice. It's a good-looking lady, too, especially for those times. Mickey tells Sinatra he doesn't interfere between his men and their broads. And since she wasn't Frank's wife, he was on his own. He said, fuck you, Frank. All right, man. Bro code? Yeah. Kinda? You know what I mean? Well, I guess not. I well, guess no, it not. is because he said... Bros before, um, dudes before females, but uh, it's not bros before, you know what I'm saying? We can but... say bros before hoes on this okay, podcast. Okay, all right, all right. I don't know why I'm being such a pussy. All right. So is that bro code? Does like he he like is that bros before hoes? If you, I guess I don't know. I'm kind of conflicted now. Well, I think Mickey Cohen, his thing was he played the role right as a boss. It's not if it was Frank Sinatra's wife, that would have been different. He went, like, hey, you can't bang Frank Sinatra's wife, but it's not. And what he actually told Frank Sinatra, he said, if you don't like it, you should probably go back to your wife and kids. Because I'm not telling oh, them to. All right, now see, I'm not a, I don't know Frank's history or whatnot, but, so I didn't know he was married at the time. So yeah, I guess you're right. In fact, if I was Mickey, I'd be like, man, is this motherfucker bringing this shit to me? <laughs> like, are we talking about this right now? But I guess Frank, if you know, it's like back in the day was probably big, pretty big earner. I'm assuming for them because there's always the, the. The Las Vegas shows and yeah, I guess all right. So bunch of different venues. I mean, I figure he has some pull, but yeah, if I was Mickey, I'd probably be like, God damn it, do I got to deal with this shit? Well, he had a lot of pull. So Mickey Cohen was known to be the guy for the whole Rat Pack. Like he'd party with them, they were all cool. Oh. But it is one of those things where it's like, well, yeah, I'm your boy, but there's a difference between your boy and a guy that's in this thing of mine. Like yeah. this is a different. This is my living. He works for me. I Look, just picture him saying, like, hey, man, I can't do that. And Frank Sinatra's like, come on, please, come on. And he hits him with the, go back to your wife. And Frank Sinatra's just like, all right, uh, Look, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Look, Frank, you. if you were me and this guy could take Ava from you, like, you'd want this guy on your squad too, Frank. The man's got, got moxie. Swirly I hope moxie. he pulls her. What's I, that? I hope he pulls her. Well, Neither of them do. You know, uh -huh. it's just, I mean, and we don't know if he did or not. There's, it's just some uh, actress they're both kind of going after. But this, this is where Mickey Cohen realizes, like, oh, this guy's got some real pull. People really fucking dig this kid, man. And one of Mickey's largest rackets was a Hollywood blackmailing ring. So what he would do is operate as like a fixer for celebrities. And then he'd use his contacts to collect information. And then he'd use all that to blackmail celebrities later down the road. So they got a show out called Ray Donovan. It's, that's, that's, I like that show a lot, and that's some similar type deal. That's exactly what it is. You have these celebrities who their image is everything, so they can't be caught doing certain things. Yeah. And they have this mobster that'll come in and handle it for them. But the second he handles this thing for you, whatever you have going on, now you owe him money whenever he needs it because he has this thing over your head. And then what he realized with Johnny Stomp is he could send him into these parties and everybody want to party with him, and all the girls would want to hook up with him. So Johnny Stomp was like a wealth of information for his blackmail scale, because he could get, he could hook up with all these actresses, and you know. Right on. So, so he used a, him in a way. Mickey kind of pimped Johnny out. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's why Johnny can't be considered a pimp, because Mickey is the pimp He's right. to Johnny. Like Ricky from the Trailer Park Boys would say, what goes around is all around. <laughs> so Johnny, he'd hook up with all these actresses. He'd go to all these parties. All the dudes wanted to be him. All the girls wanted to hook up with him. And he'd just rake in all this information, and they had this huge uh, racket going. In January 1949, Johnny's wife was granted a divorce on the grounds of desertion. Yeah. How many years is okay. that? Oh, damn. Uh, it was about two. It was oh, about a year God. and a half, two years. So I guess he left, huh? <laughs> He's really not coming back. <laughs> guess we can uh, mark me off. As... The, the judge is like, all right, are you sure? Are you sure? Has it really been that long? She's like, look, man, it's been almost fucking two years. This ain't a vacation. He's not coming back from sunny California with souvenirs, all right? The judge is up there like, I'll grant you this divorce. He banged my wife before you left. <laughs> right. <laughs> The next month after his divorce, on February 19th, he married actress Helen Gilbert, who is 10 years older than him. Wait, so he got the memo? You're divorced, buddy. Uh, yeah, he got the memo, apparently, and then immediately married Helen Gilbert. When he married Helen Gilbert, he was listed as a ceramics manufacturer. All right. So, oh. Actress Helen Gilbert marries noted ceramics manufacturer so they, john yeah. stapanato they think he's making that shit but you will get noted if you're out there in la fucking selling overpriced ass ceramics and shit they're like noted ceramics dealer and then like the next day fucking 20 people showed up to his place like i must have helen gilbert's uh husband's ceramics you know what i mean i have to have one nice job man he had a couple he had multiple angles diversify your game bro if you're if you're slacking, follow Johnny's model and diversify your shit like that. It's like a form of marketing, honestly. What if they're real rare right now and they're super expensive, like antique? Right, yeah. a John Stampanato special. Yeah, I mean, you, I think you could be right. If you could somehow prove that Johnny Stomp sold you that shit, then I think you might be right. You might you might have something. Uh, Everyone turn this check crap. closet. Turn <laughs> this. Yeah. yeah, don't check don't check grandma's photo album, no. Because <laughs> you might find a picture of Johnny Stompanato in there. And Johnny, stop me! You know, he was fucking putting it down. Uh, call my grandma after this. Now, during most of this time, Mickey Cohen was involved in a gang war with rival Jack Dragna for control of the L.A. Rackets. He had as many as 11 failed attempts on his life, including multiple bombings and shootouts. I just gotta yeah. say, like... 11 times and you can't get this guy bombings and shootings like all right well he was like a like a cat with nine lives type oh, thing okay. a couple times he was close a couple times he got clipped he just he's mickey cohen you yeah, know what i mean that's not. what separates the greats from the fucking the guys that just die and we never hear of them after his house was bombed for the second time mickey cohen basically turned it into a fortress so floodlights bulletproof windows uh he did everything uh, built, put up walls. He equipped his house with an arsenal that he kept in the room next to his 250 custom tailored suits. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck moving. Let's just keep just up the security. Nice. I like that in your mansion. You're like, well, that room, that's where we keep the guns. What are we gonna keep in this one? The suits. Don't be stupid. I gotta go party with Dean Martin later. You think I'm not gonna wear <laughs> a different suit? On July 28, 1949, a failed hit attempt outside of Sherry's nightclub at 3.55 in the morning resulted in the death of Mickey Cohen's personal bodyguard, Nettie Herbert. Oh, Nettie. <laughs> Cohen, another bodyguard, and a female companion were also shot and wounded. So this exact address, it's not called 
Sherry's Nightclub anymore. It looks like it's called Ten Oak. So it's like one zero A K. Okay. Okay. I don't know how that's pronounced, but that's what it looks like. All right. But it's a nightclub now. Oh. But the exact same address is where Suge Knight was shot six times on August 24th, 2014 at a pre-video music awards party. No yeah. shit. No shit. Yeah. Uh, Mario Gomes um, page on Facebook for the Al Capone Museum, they mentioned the Drake Hotel, which was featured in the Al Capone episode, had $100 reservations, like as some kind of like special. And that was a hotel that Al Capone went to. And I told my wife, man, I wish there was a, some reason we could go to Chicago right now. And I'd stay at that fucking hotel and take some pictures for the cast and shit. But best believe if I ever head out west, we're going to Ten Oak. And <laughs> yeah, right. you know, even if it, I mean, I'm not a big nightclub dude, but I guess we'll dance that night or some shit. Or Just to say we went to that. Or you know. he might yeah, get shot. Take, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> Now that you said that, maybe I won't go because fucking. But I ain't Suge Knight either. But right or Mickey Cohen, I'm not any type of gangster. So I nobody pro- that has no issues with anybody. So Excuse I me, okay. uh, we're just here to do research for our podcast. Uh, <laughs> I like will... beer and podcasts. <laughs> what kind of craft beers do you have? What what's your selection look like? <laughs> you got that new six folks bueno song. What temperature do you serve your stouts? So this is. Is that vanilla ice? So I like this picture for... Oh, my God. That does look like vanilla ice. <laughs> oh, the dude on the left? Yeah. So I like that picture for two reasons. For one, it's the most 50s pictures I've ever seen in my life. Like <laughs> Those high sleeves. Yeah. It's like the crew from Greece yeah. <laughs> just got off and then went to fucking go work out in front of this nightclub. But also, is that how you put a wounded man into an ambulance? <laughs> Roll him over before we pick him up. No, just pick him up. It's an emergency. <laughs> There's so much I like about this picture. Like you said, it's Italian gangster, white shirt, white shirt. The one white dude has a plaid shirt on. <laughs> but like how you said, like that's how they put him in there. It's like the I picture the cameras just being like a big box with like the light thing. So when we take the picture, it flashes. <laughs> so like they're getting, they're getting ready to take the picture, and everybody's like, I'm gonna run over here and put my hands on him real quick. Like there's no way they're all helping out in there. All their faces look like, this is about to be in a newspaper or something. I'm about to be famous. I mean, to be fair, though, I mean, like, how the fuck do you lift somebody like that if you don't got four homies? Like, the one dude's got his legs, like, his legs are bent and shit? Like, what? That one guy's got the whole side. <laughs> so three guys have half of his yeah. body. The other guy with no <laughs> sleeves is picking him up. <laughs> the, the, the one dude in front's more worried about looking at the camera. But like he said, he's like, the fuck is this giant camera doing in here? We're trying to put this guy in this ambulance. But when I look at this picture... So this movie, I picture as a comedy, and I feel like Nettie Herbert's still alive. Wait. But as they're shoving him in this ambulance, like they're actually they're knocking his head off the top. Yeah. And fucking, oh, okay. Like they so, accidentally killed him. On dude, the way that's the like answer. he still looks okay. That's the answer right there. My man's stiffed up because they're lifting him like that because he's done. He's been passed already. That makes sense now. I wonder. He's like, is he shit faced? What's up with his face? Nope, he's dead. He's been dead. So, after the death of Nettie Herbert, Johnny Stomp was made Mickey Cohen's new bodyguard and personal driver. Is that, like, a promotion? Yeah. Yeah, we've kind of covered that recently. Is it something that sounds like a demotion? It doesn't sound like a glory position, but when you're doing that spot for the boss, you're kind of, like, the right-hand man, inherently. Al, uh, Big Al, right? Alphonse, he, he, yeah. he was a right-hand man. A couple times. He's kind yep. of Frankie Yale's right-hand man, then he's yep. Johnny Torrio's right-hand man. Yeah, but I think a couple others we've 
I mean, most of them. Yeah. Somebody's at some point. Yeah. Tony Accardo was Jack McGurns. Yep. And it starts off as whoever's your driving body, whoever's your driver and bodyguard. You're spending all day every day together. So when you start moving up the ladder and you're gonna circle people you trust. Yeah, the that, dude that you guy spend that, more time than your family with. It's yeah, right. All right. That's who you're gonna get with. Dang and straight. you know he's seeing all your business. He knows the ins and outs. He's seeing everybody. He knows the rounds. All right, that's the end of part one of the Johnny Stompinato story. You can follow us on Instagram at Bad Guy Podcast to see any of the pictures discussed in the show. This is Say Hello to the Bad Guy. Thanks for coming, and thanks for listening. Yeah, say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. I come in last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. To be dad, spend my birthdays in the trap. We had to work with what we had. She been working on a raise while trying to raise me like a man. Plus, my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the cam. And I don't need a hundred friends. I just want a hundred bands, a hundred jugs, a hundred scams. Ay, ay. So, out of money, grabbed a hundred hams. So, out of money, grabbed a bunch of And bands. I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the pistols. Fuck a judge with a grudge. I'm blowing crud for my mental life. And I still keep it on me, run into your big homie, first you meet your dead homie, yeah. yeah. Say hello to the bad guy, bad guy. the good guy coming last place. Last you smell that dope when I pass by, pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy, bad guy. And her ass fake Ay, And she in love with the bad guy Ay, But bad bitches never act right Ay, She act up into that bag fly She did a turn around in one night Ay, Say hello to the bad guy Ay, The good guy coming last place Ay, You smell that dope when I pass by Ay, I let my money at a fast pace Ay, Say hello to the bad guy Ay, Place. I smell the dope when I pass by I let my money at a fast pace